Welcome to the Halloween Haunt, where you'll learn about horrible happenings, hideous Halloween history and traditions, and listen to appalling poems and unspeakable stories. And now, my gruesome guest, here is the loathsome lover of all things awful, the Halloween Haunter. If you are of a certain age, you remember when kids did not have cool, realistic costumes with real fur or pumping blood or artificial muscles like they have in the movies. When you were a kid, if you are of a certain age, you wore a mask that just covered your face with cutouts for the eyes, a couple of tiny holes for the nose, and a slit around the mouth so you could breathe. For a few minutes while you stood in front of the house getting your candy, then you could slide your mask to the top of your head, assuming you weren't wearing your winter coat with the hood up, and assuming the amazingly thin and cheap elastic band holding it to your head didn't snap, which it did at least one of every three Halloweens, if not more often. And even if you could get air to your little lungs, your skin couldn't breathe, and no matter how cold it was, your face would sweat. And if you were lucky enough to have a complete costume, you had some kind of cheap overall-style garment worn over your real clothes, because the material was so thin, and it probably had no sleeves anyway. And if it was a superhero costume, the name of the hero was probably silk-screened on the front where the bat symbol or the star or the spider or the big red S was supposed to go. And if it wasn't a hero, the name of the character or type of character like clown or skeleton was printed on the front in case the adults couldn't recognize it and therefore withhold the candy. If you are of the certain age which remembers such phenomena, then chances are good you wore a Ben Cooper costume. Ben Cooper was the product of early 20th century New York. His dad owned a restaurant and Ben studied accounting, but it was more creative than that. He tried his hand at songwriting, but then found his calling, founding a costume company in 1927. Ben designed costumes and sets for the Cotton Club in Harlem and the Ziegfeld Follies. The Great Depression put a damper on that business as live theater dwindled, so Ben Cooper looked for other ways to scratch his creative costuming itch, and in 1937 established the costume company we know, Ben Cooper Inc., There were many costume companies, as Halloween was becoming more popular. But Ben saw a way to separate from the pack, and his company took control of another company, A.S. Fishbach Incorporated, which had the foresight to get the license to make costumes based on Walt Disney characters, like Donald Duck and Snow White. Other companies licensed characters for costumes, but Ben Cooper was able to find characters before they blew up in the culture, so was able to get them for cheap and then ride the waves of popularity. In addition to making the costumes quickly, another way Ben made sure his company thrived was to make the costumes, shall we say, affordable. Less than $3 in the 1940s, and the costumes found their way into large retailers like J.C. Penney, Sears, and Woolworths, as well as Local Five and Dimes. They found more licenses in the 1950s with the rise of television, like Superman, Davy Crockett, and Zorro. Ben Cooper responded to enlightened parental concern about safety with glitter glow costumes, which had a lot of shiny glitter glued on so they'd reflect in the headlights of cars. 
Ben Cooper costumes really had their heyday in the 1960s and 70s when there were three dominant companies, including Collegeville and Halco. But Ben Cooper had somewhere between 70 and 80% of the market at some point. Ben Cooper got the licenses. Did you wear a Spider-Man costume? It was probably a Ben Cooper. They bought the rights in 1963 and remodeled a previous Spider-Man costume they'd created themselves. They licensed Batman in 1964, which was a period when Batman was in danger of being canceled before he became a TV star. There were Frankenstein costumes, Dennis the Menace, and more. Political masks were popular, like Richard Nixon in the late 60s and Ronald Reagan in the 80s. The 70s and early 80s had Joni Loves Chachi costumes, Welcome Back Cotter costumes, Fonzie, even the Rubik's Cube. Their first costume based on an R-rated movie was The Creature from Alien in 1979. But the biggest license may have been the Star Wars costumes, with Chewbacca and C-3PO among the most popular. Legend has it that Ben Cooper suffered financial losses in the early to mid-1980s due to the Tylenol scare. Someone had tampered with a product, lacing it with potassium cyanide. Parents were afraid of Halloween candy suffering the same fate and kept their children in, resulting in plummeting costume sales. Ben Cooper and other costume makers and other Halloween accessory producers banded together to promote celebrating Halloween, and by 1987, costume and Halloween makeup sales were rising significantly. Unfortunately, Ben Cooper's money troubles continued, and they lost many licenses and business to Collegeville. This may have been because, though the Ben Cooper quality improved, they didn't keep up with upgrades that the new companies were instituting. Better latex masks. More realism. They filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy in 1988 and emerged about a year later. Unfortunately, the money woes continued and they were purchased by Ruby's Costume Company in 1992, which dissolved the company and kept whatever licenses were left. It's too bad, really. As creepy and spooky and otherwise realistic today's costumes are in general, there's nothing scarier than hearing trick-or-treat, opening the door, and seeing a plastic Casper the Friendly Ghost staring at you with big cutouts around the eyes and little kitty eyes staring at you. And of course, Casper's name silkscreened on the front. Learn more about Halloween costumes and share your memories at thehalloweenhaunt.com. <laughs>